Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Scumbags, this is the Scummy Mummies Podcast, with your hosts, Ellie Gibson and Helen Thorne. Hello and welcome to the Scummy Mummies Podcast, it's me, Helen Thorne. And it is me, Ellie Gibson. (laughs) I'm still working on new ways to make that more interesting after 256 times and I'm struggling, team, I am struggling. Maybe (gasps) someone could write in, bonjour, (laughs) et moi. This is like no? it's just like when like Madonna or Kylie reinvents himself after like twenty years and like oh, I'm gonna do rap now. I'm gonna do you know, you're trying to break I oh, know I like it, it's good. Anyway, we've got a guest. <laughs> that works so well for both of them. Yes. And yes, we do have a guest. <laughs> She's patiently waiting between us. It is, of course, the fabulous, the very famous, very talented, uh, and highly skilled guest, Dr. Zoe Williams. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that any of those things are true, but uh yeah, well Yeah, no, I'll take it. I'll well, take you it. are a doctor. I'll be more I'll be least. more Ellie. Yes. You are. Yeah. You are no, literally I, a doctor. No, that is that is true. And a medical doctor, not like Dr. Fox or something like that. You're an actual medical doctor. doctor. I do have a medical degree um, and I do see patients as a GP, as a job. So, yeah, that's all right. And do you get annoyed? Mm. Is it annoying when you're in a situation like this or at a dinner party where you meet new people and they just want to ask you medical questions? <laughs> um, I don't find it annoying, but I have to be careful because um, there are certain medical questions that are okay to ask. Mm. sort of flippantly and there are other medical questions that actually without your full medical record it can almost be dangerous and if I'm on holiday with the girls on a Hindu or something like that I have a rule that they can't ask me a medical question until I've had at least two cups of coffee and it has to I thought you say at least two margaritas yeah it's <laughs> like throw caution to the wind no they can't they can't ask me a medical question until I've had at least two cups of coffee and be- before I've had an alcoholic beverage so it's about a 20 minute window usually on holiday yeah. so <laughs> clinic is open clinic is shut I love it um, well uh, Helen has a medical question obviously What's yes yours? It's, 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 it's been on my mind and I've actually gone to see a doctor about this why do my fart smell so bad? <laughs> Why? To be clear, you think that there's something wrong with you. Yes, I do think this. And I went to the doctor and I said, a fart can't smell this bad. Like, a, like there is something medically. And, and, and the doctor just said, oh, you probably eat too many lentils. And I don't, I don't eat that many lentils. But anyway, describe it. Oh, it's all like, oh, Ellie should, because she, she's the Is it imagine... earthy? Is it eggy? Imagine a dog died and then it was kept in the boot of a car inside a wet towel with 12 eggs for about three months. Right. It is quite eggy. Pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we all, we all have, you've heard that term gut microbiome, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the trillions of good bugs that live inside mostly our large bowel. 
and when we feed them fibre, they produce methane as a as a byproduct of that. So so really, because we all have such a unique microbiome that's unique to us, that's why our farts can smell so different. Mm. So it's not particularly... Oh, it's like a fingerprint. It's your unique... Yeah. It's your signature <laughs> smell, Helen. It's your signature smell. Finger stink. Oh, it's awful. Yes. Um, but, you know, if, if farts are really, really, really offensive, mm. then it, it probably is worth just getting it checked out to send off a store sample to check there's nothing nasty growing in there but actually if this has just always been the way your farts are and you're healthy and you don't have any other symptoms then it's just you've just got a smelly microbiome smelly ass <laughs> but now i'm paranoid because my farts don't smell mine don't well this is it does that mean we're not eating enough fiber zoe no not necessarily it just means the book the books that people. have colonized you are not better. so smelly just better. Um, but we do fart. i think this is the thing right some people don't <laughs> fart in front of their partners and hold it in Ooh. yeah and some people say they don't fart which is just a lie and if you fart so infrequently that you think you don't fart then probably you're not eating enough fiber because right. those those healthy gut bugs should be producing some gases mm. excellent well thanks very much for coming it's been lovely to have you <laughs> that's really all we wanted to know and <laughs> um, it's lovely to have you because you've got you've got a book out Zoe Yay! unbelievably what's it called what's it about so it's called you grow girl and it's um it's a growing up guide so a puberty book plus for girls age nine plus it's essentially it's the book i wish i'd had growing up um it's really honest but also quite reassuring and i think the main aims are to inform girls but also to um build confidence and support their self-esteem like in a world growing up with social media and filters and all of that sort of thing give them the tools and activities and tips that they can have confidence in themselves and that in their true selves and, and grow up to be the best version of themselves it's absolutely excellent and I, and I must say like when I was growing up especially because I grew up in like bumblefuck country <laughs> Australia there wasn't a lot of you know honest fun frank information about yeah. you know the, the books were very medicalised it was like you will get your period and your boobs will grow and there will be hair in these parts and that's it you know and then hide it all away yeah and there's so much shame and embarrassment you know all, all those changes were you know it was such an assault on you you know where I felt and especially you know growing up uh, being sporty then all of a sudden you couldn't go swimming because you had your period and all sorts of you know everything felt like an inconvenience rather yeah. than something to be celebrated yeah. and so th- this book you know it's such a, such a joy and I can't wait to uh, share it with uh, with my, my daughter and my son because yeah. I think that's really important yeah and I've, I've shown it to some of my f- friends and most of them have said wow I didn't know that and I didn't know that and, and actually mm. I, w- I would have to say researching it and writing it I actually learned a thing or two myself, especially the stuff around self-esteem. And what I found is that what I'm trying to promote here and encourage girls to do, I need to do a bit of this myself as well. So I think it's it's actually helped helped me. It's been quite cathartic. Um, can I can I ask how old you are, Zoe? I'm 43. 43. So I'm 45, right? So we're in a similar yeah. bracket. And, and to be honest, if I had to sit down and write a book like this, I'd be absolutely terrified not only because I'm not a doctor and I don't know anything (laughs) which immediately disqualifies me from the task but um I just feel like I'm I've got two boys but even with them I'm really struggling to navigate stuff that I never had to deal with yeah so when I was a teenager 
um, yeah, it was really hard and really confusing. But there were my sex education wasn't bad. The school didn't do a terrible job. I was quite lucky. And like there were things like Just Seventeen that told you I can get pregnant from fingering and all that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, Position of the fortnight. What well, was Cosmopolitan? Oh, that was more, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Was it magazine. More magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's all that. But now you know, social media, but also mm. like pornography. Like my son yeah. goes to a boys' school, and that's already a thing that they're aware of, and they talk about. And <gasps> let's be honest, they're gonna they're gonna see one day. Yeah. And, you know, in the 80s, it was, all right, you found a jazz mag in the woods now and again. It was just a lady with a massive bush having a nice time. It wasn't all fisting and hair pulling like it is these days. And I don't know, or maybe it didn't bother you. Did it bother you when you sat down to it? Well, how am I going to, there's all this stuff and all this medical information, but how do we, how do, how am I going to deal with all this shit that I yeah. didn't even experience as a teenager? Well, it's, it was really tough. So, it, I mean, I talk about pornography in the book and I think, I think my ethos on it is if, a child is old enough to start asking these types of questions, then they're old enough to be told the truth because they're going to go out and find this information. Um, with my editor, there were certain things, because this book is for really designed for girls between the ages of nine and 15, um, nine and 13 mostly. Well, what you would write for a 13-year-old is very different for a nine-year-old. So we talked mm. about things like pornography and self-pleasure and do we put them in the book um and we decided that we do we put it all in the book you know and we caveat it with you might think that you're not ready to read this bit yet it's here for you to come back to but with the pornography bit you know I remember when I was at school secondary school and there was this one boy in our class whose parents lived around the corner and went out to work and somebody managed to get hold of a VHS porn tape yep Oh God, so it wasn't of his parents, go... was it? <laughs> that would be awkward. <laughs> so we'd all go around to his house at lunchtime right. and watch the same like five minute snippet of porn like over and over again. But obviously children now, they can just, act... if they've got access to the internet, they can access it. So the book tackles that by just saying, you know, you may get exposed to this. You may choose to watch it. It might, you know, if somebody forces you to watch it, that comes into um, sexual abuse. And we talk about all that as well in slightly different section that's right next to it. But I just say, look, this is what you'll see. We've already talked about vulvas and how they're all different. You'll see one particular type of vulva. You'll see a particular type of penis, which is larger than most. Having sex, but not in the way that normal human beings do. So, you know, if you do, I think the wording at the end is, so if you do see it, just bear all this stuff in mind that it's not real. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think that's just an, an honest way of not making them want to go and search it out or look for it, but if they do, which inevitably, for a lot of them, at some point they will, they, they know that, okay, this is make-believe, this is not, this is not real. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm really frightened about. Not so much them seeing a bit of tits and even a bit of it going in and out, because like you said, we're all seeing that when we were children, when we're not perverts or sex molesters, at least not a lot of us. <laughs> What's a sex molester? <laughs> I don't know. Sex molesters? I'm always learning things from you, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> Just made that up. Are you a sex molester? <laughs> Get help now. But um, I hear from a lot of, um, especially my younger friends and women on the dating scene, that, you know, there's this generation of men that already have grown up yeah. thinking that sex is about something, and it's about the woman looking uncomfortable yeah. or being slapped in the face, or, yeah. you know, and it's about... And, and they, the men sometimes say themselves they're confused and they're yeah. addicted to porn and they're... I just don't know. I think it's a good reason why it is a good idea for boys to read this book as well. Mm. And, um, and Dr. Ranger's brought out a book that is a similar type of book for boys. Um, so the book covers consent. It talks about what consent is. Um, it talks about 
actually, you know, what is sex, what is oral sex, what is anal sex. I mean, we've just, it's all in there, but hopefully it's written in, in a way, it's the best way it possibly can in that it's honest, but it's not scary mm. and it's reassuring. Um, but it also talks about actually, you know, if you are later on, it talks about the fact that it's illegal to have sex before the age of 16 as well. Um, but it does sort of talk about if, you know, later on, when you do start thinking about that type of thing, these are well a lot about relationships these are the signs that a relationship is a good relationship mm. these are the signs that a relationship is perhaps not a good relationship and things to be wary of what chapter um, is that by the way <laughs> <laughs> yes if you just going to read it you in the van <laughs> Because <laughs> I think, I think what it what it does, you know, it's, it's giving all that information. Because I think we would be naive to think that ten year olds, for example, can't access information on this type of stuff, and they're yeah. not talking about yeah. it. We know that they are. So yeah, I think the, the aim of the book is to just include everything, um, but in a way that gets girls to, I guess, understand it from the viewpoint of how to best keep themselves safe maintain their own dignity self-respect and to love themselves and to Mm. believe that you know I think believe in themselves and I share I share a few snippets of I call them overshare moments and I talk about in the consent bit I give an example of um something that that I experienced when I was about 15 so it was a friend who I'd started dating we'd gone to the cinema and he snuck snuck in some booze and um and then when I went to the toilet came in and got a bit heavy and and how I dealt with that I dealt with it by telling him to get off and you know he sort of joked around of like and eventually I said that screamed get off and I mean it sort of thing and he did but I know a lot of my friends and I'm sure you both know people who have been in those situations and thought it's actually easy to just go along with it yeah um, or he'll dump me or you know he'll say something you know the the whole bullying culture as well like yeah. I'm gonna say or I'll make something up about you yes, and you can't disprove exactly. it yeah mm. and I think girls I think girls now are growing up in a world where they won't put up with that mm. hope I really hope so anyway I spell it all out in the book and it's like basically the bottom line is unless you are thinking and saying in your head yes 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 it's a no 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 there's so many images through social media and influencers and 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 also that self sense of self-identity yeah which I and, I and Ellie and I've talked about this a lot I didn't feel I had to define myself mm. when I was 13 or 14 but um great you know now that I have um teenagers you know there's there's so many subsections and and labels that they can have and it's like you're this or you're that it's not just we're all girls we're not all this or whatever and you know and they can be very empowering of course but I think there's a lot of pressure on that we didn't have um, around that around that as well definitely and I think there's a section on the book about filters and using filters and social media and mm. because I know a lot of young people now they they almost have an, an alias they portray themselves as something that they're not and obviously the danger of that is you don't necessarily have a lot of love and affection for who you really really are mm. um and if you do meet somebody and you know you become they're going to get to know the real you eventually so yeah. the power of loving of loving yourself um and it reminds me of this little troll so i do this activity in the book where i get them it's all about the the inner critic and that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough not strong enough not smart enough so so the activity i do around that is that i get them to draw a picture of a of a troll of their little troll that's on their shoulders telling them that telling them they can't um 
And the message is, you know, be kind to your troll. Your troll's there to protect you, really. It's, yeah. it's there to keep you safe, stop you embarrassing yourself, or stop you doing things that you maybe aren't ready for yet. But your troll can be really oversensitive. So just, I get them to visualise themselves, saying, it's all right, troll, I got this, and, like, zipping up its mouth. And little like things yeah. that I've, I've started <laughs> kind of doing myself a little I bit. Like imagining that. the yeah. little troll. One of the things you're an amazing champion of is is obviously sport and fitness and health. Yeah. And, and and I wanted to talk to you about that about getting girls more into sport more because I I mean I would do anything uh, you know to avoid PE and I, I mean I did love um, being outdoors but as soon as my body started to change my boobs got bigger yeah. and, and you know I became aware of that um, but so how do we talk to well well both girls and boys about getting into yeah. sport because I think people can feel really overwhelmed oh I'm not good at it straight away so I'll just quit or whatever yeah and and especially girls actually um, mm. the statistics say that between the ages of nine and nine and twelve something like 23 percent of girls are active enough for good health doing 60 minutes a day so it's already pretty low mm. but from the ages of 13 to 15 it drops to nine percent wow um, okay. so it's really low and I mean, you don't see that drop off in boys so I've, I've done quite a bit of work going into schools with girls of that age group to find out why um and the th- it's always the same things that come up they basically don't want to be near the boys they don't want to wear the specified pe kit a lot of, a lot of schools are getting better i think at that and they don't necessarily want to do organised sports. Mm. Um, so a couple of examples. We worked with a school out in Essex and we said to them, what would you like to do? And they said, "If the te- basically, we've got an hour for PE and what ends up happening is we get changed. We stand around being told what to do, given instructions. We don't do it because we don't want to. And then we don't want to mess up our hair and we don't want to mess up our makeup. So we're definitely, so we just don't get involved. So we said, well, what would you do? And they said, well, if the teachers would just put a screen up and put Joe Wicks on a 20 minute workout, we'd do that, get sweaty, actually get some proper exercise. And then we've got half an hour to go and do our makeup and do our hair. And we're quite happy with that. Mm. Like, well, it sounds like a no brainer, but of <clears> course <throat> schools have then got to tick off their list that a child can stand on one foot and roll the ball along the floor and all those types of things. So it's, it, it's tricky. And in that school they had, it was in a deprived part of Essex, but they had this incredible brand new building and an incredible like state of the art gym. Um, so we were there and we did co-creation with, we, did, we were doing co-creation with them around what physical activity they were participating. And I said to them, what would it take for you to use that gym? And they said, well, if the boys weren't there, we would use it. So it would have to be after school when everyone's gone home and yeah. no boys. So the teacher sort of looked at them and said, oh, well, we could do that one day a week. They were like, yeah. What day? They said Thursday. She's like, done. Simple as that. Wow. So I think just listening. Just listening. I think yeah. that's the that I think that's often the key when it comes to engaging children and young people in sport and physical activity is give them a bit of autonomy because whilst we see this massive drop off in girls being physically active, something like the surveys say something like ninety percent of them do want to be more active. Interesting. So yeah. it's just finding out what they what they want to do and helping them to enabling them I guess mm. I would say that that, I, that is a key part of my parenting strategy generally and has been for many years is to make them think they have a choice and some power <laughs> <laughs> even if they don't but these are all tricky I mean you've got a teenage daughter are you having these tricky chats already yeah it is hard and it's also when you know something's up like I know when 
um, like her behaviour changes and oh, she's she's a bit snotty to her younger brother. And I thought, that's not because she's angry with her younger brother, that's because something's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's usually I have to find a time where, you know, the younger one's gone to bed and I'll just sit and I go, all right, let's have a little chat. And then sometimes we'll talk about other things and then it eventually comes around to what it is really about. Yeah. And so that's, and that's hard. And it's hard to be available because, you know, I'm... Uh, you know, a single parent, so they'll go to their um, dad's house a couple of days a week and come back. And so I'm always sort of catching up on things, and yeah. that, that can be really difficult. Yeah. But also, it's about saying no as well. Like, I, I want to be like, especially when I first got separated, I'd be like, oh, anything you want, yes, of course, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. now, now it's about sort of saying, no, you can't, you can't do that. Or, you know, I'm, I'm telling you no because of these reasons. Yeah. And that's, and that's hard. And that's conflict, which is really difficult. Oh, hang on. There's a bit in the book. That hang on. Exactly that. Right. No, I'm just going to need to buy this book because uh, I'm just <laughs> going to read it all out to you. But it is about conflict with parents. Shall I read to you what my yes, advice yes, is please. for the girl? Well, it's for them rather than for you guys. But, um, right. So throughout, throughout the book, there are these little doctors always prescriptions. And, uh, this is the one as to how to form a better argument with your parents so it says write down three reasons why you should be allowed to do whatever it is you've been arguing about for example having a sleepover at a friend's house on a school night then put yourself in your parents point of view and write down three reasons why they might not want you to then when you're feeling calm tell them why you understand their reasoning but put forward the reasons you think you should be allowed this will show them you're considering both sides of the argument and trying to find a resolution. They still might not agree, but will appreciate you being mature about it and might be more relaxed next time you ask. Does that That's sound good? Powerful. Just That's powerful. That's really good. to my children when so, they yeah. get home. So if your 14 year old came and said, I've been thinking about it, Mum, and I understand the reasons why you don't want me to, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, this is a, yeah these yeah. are yeah. really good reasons why. These are the reasons why I could now, can I? You'd be like, no. They'd be like, okay. But next time you ask me to pay something, I might say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Because how old, how old are your kids, Zoe? So I've just got one. He's yeah. about to be two. Yes. So you've got all this to come. I've got well, all this to come. Me. And actually, I have to say, writing this from a point of view as a woman who was once a preteen and a doctor, I, I found, I think, reasonably all right. But I don't think I'd be able to write it. If I think if I had a teenage daughter right now, mm. I don't think I'd be able to write it. Mm. I think I'd find it really, really difficult. Yeah, it's, it's emotional because you, you know, you, with every stage of parenting, you're always putting yourself uh, in their shoes and you're getting triggered by your own experience. Yes. So, um, you know, when my daughter comes to me about, you know, physical changes and things like that, I said, look, I understand. And she's like, you don't understand. I'm like, I kind of can, but you... You know, obviously, my lived experience was very different. Yes. So, yeah, it's hard to not to be patronising, but understanding, empathetic, and then you know, not too heavy-handed. Parenting's hard in a nutshell. It really, is. Really it hard. is. It is. And I hope this helps. You can mm. just give her the book now and say, "What well, your boobs are sore? Oh, have a read of this." Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Um, um, and I wanted to go back to your experience growing up because I think yes. it'd be really interesting hearing how you basically got here today. So, yeah. what were you? Were you an active child? Did you have a good self-worth? Who, who, was, who was young Zoe? Oh, God, little Zoe. Um, very different, I think, to what you see in front of you right now. So um, my parents divorced when I was quite little. I was five, so my mum had me and my brother. Um, I had really severe asthma, so I was in hospital quite a bit 
with that and missed quite a bit of school. Um, and I was the only black kid in my school as well. So me and my brother went to a Church of England school. Um, so he was three years above me. So we were the only non-white children in that school. And then I went to, when I went to secondary school, I went to a different school to him. Um, and it was predominantly white. There's quite a large Pakistani community. Um, so I think one in three children roughly were Pakistani. And then there was me. So I always felt different. And, you know, therefore, I think this fed into a lot of my wanting to please others and um and I was you know I, I did I did quite well with it I was you know quite sporty and top set and I was sort of friends with every friendship group I was friends with the jocks I was friends with the swaps but I was also friends with the kids who were sneaking out and having a cigarette behind the bike shed so I managed to entangle myself within every group but I think at the expense of never really being my real self just mm. trying to fit in um, so I would say I definitely lacked confidence. I was really, really shy. Um, and we struggled. We really struggled financially as well. So, you know, free school meals and free school uniforms. And there were once or twice we used a food bank um, when mum was really struggling as well. So quite a tricky upbringing in lots of ways. And the worst thing about it was my parents were not particularly kind to each other. With yeah. all the, so for years there were battles, court battles, social workers all that sort of stuff going on. Um, but I always wanted to be a doctor. And, um, and Did you always, always, yeah, that was yeah. it, that's what I'm going to do? From the age of three. So my, wow. my Jamaican grandma, who came to the UK from Jamaica way, way before I was born, when my dad was about eight, um, she trained to be a midwife in the UK and ended up running the community midwifery service. And, you know, all the Jamaican side of my family were always really really proud of her and you know she became well respected in our community as a mm. black woman um so that really inspired me and I think having asthma myself my the doctors that looked after me were always brilliant I actually quite enjoyed being in hospital <laughs> when I was in hospital so that that helped um but yeah from the age of three I said I'd be a doctor and um definitely didn't take the usual route um so when I was at at school when I was doing my um what is it, options in mm-hmm. year nine. The teachers were sort of saying, I couldn't decide what to do. And they were like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I wanted to be a doctor. And at my school, it was kind of a pat on the back. That's really cute. Right. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. But you need to come up with some more realistic goals. So they got me to do psychometric tests and all sorts of things. And um, so I was basically told that, you know, I wouldn't be a doctor. People wow. like, wow. I, it, was, we, it was quite a deprived community that I grew up in and, and to be honest, I think more people left school early because they were pregnant than went on to university, perhaps. So so I think, you know, their intentions weren't bad. They were perhaps, they believed that I wouldn't be a doctor. But, you know, that, that in the book, it goes on about my little mantra, which is, yes, I can. And how we should all be told, yes, you can. So just to say, like... Fuck you, this teacher. Look at this. Read this, you dickhead. I'm a doctor. My mantra is, yes, I can, but I don't want to. (laughs) Um, But there was one, my PE teacher, um, Miss Dykes, um, she's actually mentioned in the in the little bit at the beginning because she was the one who literally she was Scott broad Scottish accent and mm. I used to compete for school and she'd stand there on the start line going yes you can Zoe so finished school did my A-levels um, completely flunked my A-levels because there was a lot of mad stuff going on at home so I left home when I was 17 and was working in a nightclub four days a week and yeah so A-level results were BCE 
So that was kind of like medical school's not going to happen. So I, so I went to live in Tenerife for a year, wow. then worked as a landscape gardener, then went to live in Ayanapa. And it was whilst I was in Ayanapa, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to find a way. It's kind of that Ayanapa cured me, basically, of my uh, lack of self-belief. Sure, lots of epiphanies <laughs> happened in Ayanapa at that yes, time, many, are we? Many epiphanies. Many epiphanies. I want to be this. Some would say I became delusional, but... <laughs> Turns out, um, <laughs> turns out aiming high. Um, so then, yeah, so came back, started work, worked as an auxiliary nurse and decided, figured out I need to go and study another degree to then be able to get into medical school. So went to Newcastle to study biomedical sciences. And then a few months into that, they came into the lecture theatre. There were 350 of us on this same course. Well, on the biomedical sciences courses, there were about eight different degrees, but we all had the same first year. And um, yeah, this guy came into lecture theatre and he said, we recognise there are people in this room that want to do medicine, that would make great doctors, but for whatever reason, haven't got the grades, haven't passed the interview, we're going to give you a second chance. They said, we're going to allow 12 people from this room. Stop, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. Up to up to 12 people from this room to go into, back into first year next year, but to study medicine. Oh my God. So I thought, this is my chance. So I did an essay application. Um, they interviewed... Um, oh no it was six people six people they interviewed 12 for the six places two of us passed the interview me and a girl called Ali but that was conditional on getting we had to get basically um, a first in all the eight modules throughout the course of the year what a first year Jesus you want to see study I know so you can look at people's barucas I mean (laughs) I think the entry is too high (laughs) and uh, poor Ali got 68% in her genetics module so they said so it was just me so that's how I got into medicine I basically wrangled my way in and um, and yeah and in the book I say look the harder the struggle is to get to the start line the easier the race is because then because I'd had to work so hard to get into medicine Mm. I actually found it all right God, and then and then you became obviously a doctor, and then yeah. and then you ended up being this morning's Doctor Zoe yeah. Williams. But, really? but Doctor Zoe, all right, blah blah blah, very impressive, blah blah. I'm a doctor, blah blah blah, yeah yeah. <laughs> um, can we talk about your real achievement, your real <laughs> career achievement? Were you or were you not a gladiator? Woo! Not like a Roman one, like one <laughs> off the television program. I was gladiator ready. Yes, amazing. I was, and I still. When pe- when I talk about this, I still sometimes think, did that really happen? Do you like talking about it? Or is I love it talking about okay, it. Great, yes, brilliant. Good. I love talking about it. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, because I read that you they you auditioned to be a contender. Yes, you were ready, and then they picked you out and they said, no, you're you could be a gladiator, mate. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it was amazing. So because I wasn't even going to apply, gladiators came back on TV, and at the end of the first series, they said we're looking for contestants, and it was my mate Shawzy, Joe Shaw, who was a rugby player, rang me up and said, you've got to apply, go on gladiators, win it, you'll win ten grand. <laughs> and I was like, oh well, but you know, I've just become a doctor. It's sort of a year into being a doctor. <laughs> What will people think? It's like, Zoe, how much is your student loan? I was like, yeah. So that was my aim, to go on and be a contender and win 10 grand. And yeah, I went to the audition and they asked me to come back the following week and audition to be a gladiator. And I became Amazon. Which yes! I can't quite believe so Your special skill was delivering things the very next day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised they didn't give you a medical name like Suture or something. <laughs> the Injector. Yes. Aspirin. The Scalpel. <laughs> 
did you get to choose your name or did they choose Amazon for you? Oh, so they chose it, but I thought I chose it because when we, we all got together, all the gladiators and me and Amy, who were the new gladiators and Wayne, and um, because when we were doing all the workshops, we couldn't be Amy and Zoe and Wayne. We had to have fake gladiator names. They said, just give yourselves a name. doesn't matter what it is for the purposes of this workshop. And I called myself Amazon. So I always thought that... I chose it and they liked it, but apparently, yeah, just purely coincidental, the big execs at Sky had actually, separately to that, decided I should be Amazon because it was the year that Sky were going green. So I also got to be the green gladiator, which was great. So I got to go up to their offices in Isleworth and up in Scotland and walk around in a special green costume and (laughs) tell them to use their recycling bin. (laughs) when you go home amazing was it because it, when you see it on the tip as a, as a kid watching gladiators obviously it looked amazing and the gladiators were like superheroes and it weren't really serious but when you look at it now I'm like it, that looks like a laugh were you all were you all partying and shagging each other behind the no, scenes no oh. no no we were actually everyone was we were all quite serious right. I think because um, you have to be a proper athlete right to do it yeah that's right because people often would say you know how did they train you and get you in shape it's like well, no they didn't we were trained and in shape and actually once you start filming and recording because they're super long days in studio and once you've got your makeup done you can't barely do anything um and you've got your costume on all day so we actually our our physical um aesthetic sort of declined as we go through the series (laughs) the guys the guys all got a bit skinnier and the girls all got a little bit bigger um but um but yeah no they were all pretty serious athletes and oh. there weren't many of us there were only a th- or four of us that were single and so no there was none there was not there was genuinely no. genuinely mm. none of that what was your favorite event uh powerball because it was just oh, like because that was a big hamster one no were... so powerball is the one where they've got the five pods and they've got to run from this behind their little line oh. and get the balls in and you could just oh, yeah, rugby yeah, tackle yeah, yeah, them yeah. so because i was a rugby player that was my sport so oh, um man. so yeah so that was me that was just fun you just mm. got used to and and they wanted you to make it dramatic as well so if you could pick up a leg and like fling them through the air and smash them down a bit heavy but without hurting them then even even better you sort of had license to be dramatic with it or pull them around a few times oh, i love yes it. controlled oh, I aggression love it. i love my vibe. i still think we should bring it back for middle age but we did a sketch once do you remember when i was pregnant we did yes. a gladiators sketch and pete did the voiceover and what was I? Was I vulva? You were vulva. Yeah, I can't remember what I was called. But yeah, you were about about five months pregnant. Yeah. And then I and we, we fudged it so I lost and they said punishment is you've got to do ten jumps on the mini trampoline. And like <laughs> I was I was a lot bigger then and my boobs were just like bouncing and then I had to try not to do a wee. So anyway, <laughs> I, I, mean, I think it was catch a very on. highbrow. Uh, we can bring it back. We can bring it back. But um, you know, Gladiators is coming back this year. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of applying. Uh, but uh, are you are you interested in mm. getting involved again? Mm, well, no, I don't no. think so. I think Too I'd busy die. with you. I think I would yeah. wee myself actually mm. if I tried to play Powerball now. Thank Those goodness we've over. answered the question that I really wanted to ask. Apart from about Helen's farts, now you're here. I mean, the book's marvellous, but. <laughs> 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 
Um, should we should we have some scummy mummy confessions? Honey? Yes, yes. Um, this is where we share a, a story of parenting failure or personal failure, which is usually my thing. Should I should I start? Go for it. Again, you'll be surprised to hear it's a fart based uh, <laughs> fart based one. So I don't like to mention it, but I ran a marathon on Sunday. Yay! I did Copenhagen on Sunday and um, I've been training for it three or four times a week um, was aiming for sub four last year I did a 415 I was like right I'm wow absolutely that's amazing you know I did a 24 minute 5k I was like I'm fast I'm oh, like she's a, like a whip it Zoe yeah she's off she goes I'm impressed but then on Tuesday night uh, beforehand I went for my final sprints and I fucked my calf I oh, no. l- left off and I strained it and I thought I'd torn it but anyway so I limped anyway I did I was like alright I'm just going to try and do the marathon so I did it in 4.15 fine it was Perfect. the same same time as I did before were you aiming for under 4 yeah were you, yeah were you but I sort of thought well I'm injured that's not a bad thing that's amazing anyway um, I did run next to the guy who ran the entire marathon with a pineapple on his head <laughs> uh, that was a highlight so I, I ran... could do yeah 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 isn't you, that you... a sign of something a pineapple don't know I don't know the symbolism pineapple. but Oh, something yeah. I think swingers. Do swingers have a. Are you thinking of pampas grass? Yes. Mm. But they, they do pineapples as well. Pineapple do in the they? trolley. I think so. A pineapple in the trolley! Come on, walking around the supermarket and there's a pineapple. I think it has to be upside down. I mean, I might be just you, swingers wrong. meet each other in fucking supermarkets now. Jesus, they're everywhere. <laughs> oh, no, you can't move them. Oh, calm down, honestly. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm frightened to shop for tropical fruit now. <laughs> Sex people, then. What a message I'm sending. (laughs) Sex people. Oh, dear. Sex people are so dull. Anyway. (laughs) Sorry, Helen. No, no, it's fine. Anyway, um, my scummy version is that I overvast my bum. And so when I was farting, it was very flappy and very, very, very squidgy. It was just very noisy. Greasy. Yeah, really. Really. Like, really, really unpleasant like i over like way over lube my bum what, what, which bit of your bum are you lubing i don't know i thought you between lubed in between your thighs no you, you, oh, you, 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 you yes i i uh, over lubed my crack and it was highly unpleasant it was like sitting in jelly for, for four hours oh. were you farting as well yes i'm really <laughs> farty when i run oh. and it was really noisy and really wet and smelly oh, yeah like doing it in a trifle yes oh. i know <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> but but she was great at the end. Clean bill of health down there. Like, but but very, I wouldn't. I think you can ha- you can be too lubricated. That's yeah. my that's my take home. When I write my book Marathon, um, <laughs> I, I will love uh, it. Yes. Anyway, that was a long story. Oh, amazing! With a humble brag in the middle. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Um, I've got. A, I don't know if it's a confession or if it's just something I'd like to. It sort of is a confession. I'd like to confess to you. Dr. Zoe Williams, that we've been using a biological term incorrectly. Um, mm. so, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know what's coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> we, do, we do this Scummy Mummies live comedy show. Um, and last week we did uh, three nights in Twickenham. Brilliant audiences, world's mm. best text, LB and Meg. Really great time. And on the last night, um, we come out in the second half dressed in sort of big pink vagina cat suits, twat suits for yep. shorthand. They've got big hoods and pubes and like it's all and we and they're do glittery of, and they're wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And we do great. lots of silly jokes and and I would think I was saying the silly joke about they're modelled on our own vaginas, but my real vagina isn't this tight and shiny. And we had <laughs> at this moment 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Just the, the worst heckle, the most yeah. unusual heckle we've ever mm, had, mm. where this woman, about four rows up, just went, It's vulva, not vagina. <laughs> interrupt my story to say that because you understood that I was building to a comedic point so you allowed me to finish my fucking story that was in the middle <laughs> oh. so I'm afraid we did royally take the piss out of it oh for the next oh, 45 oh, minutes bet you're fun at dinner party <laughs> Yes, yeah. so I want to say that, of course, that woman is correct. That's why I'm confessing. We do incorrectly in the show use that term, and and you know she is right. However, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Could you at least wait till the punchline? <sighs> from that's I found it very annoying. Now, to be fair to her, afterwards she did come and see it. Well, she'd lost the phone, so she had to come back in the theatre, and it was all a bit awkward because yeah, was like, yeah, we were tidying up, and she did say <laughs> she worked for a gynaecological cancer charity, right? And that's why it's important to her to get right. the terminology right, which I totally can see her point, and that's a good argument. I'm sure it made the show much more entertaining. Oh, people <laughs> loved it. I'll give yeah. her a great story to bring yeah. up at dinner parties and educate everyone in them in while she's doing it about oh. the difference between a vagina and a vulva. <laughs> Fucking hell, that night. It was it was a raucous night. Yeah. But that night we'd already had an American lady who was incredibly drunk and didn't get a lot of the references in the show, mm. um, which I'm sorry, I understand, but I don't really have time to explain all of the <laughs> references in like, the show. Um, so she kept like turning to her mate like really loudly and going like, what is Grange Hill? What is, <laughs> what is dogging? What is dogging? <laughs> Google it! Shut up! <laughs> Google it! Later! <laughs> done all that and then my favourite bit though was in the second half um, because there's not really a stage in Twickenham it was all there and this lady kicked Prosecco all over the stage and so we had to like we would and then I looked down and she was embarrassed she was trying to mop it up and I was like what are you mopping that up with and I picked it up and she pulled a baby's vest out of her handbag (laughs) (laughs) which was a very sweet at least it wasn't knickers which I did on a train recently that was embarrassing I was trying to find my uh, charger on a train and just dug in my bag and pulled out a 
clean oh. pair of knickers. TV. Sexy, se- were they sexy pants or <laughs> no, Sunday pants? No, they were Sunday pants. Sunday pants. <laughs> oh, <laughs> love it, love it. Shove those straight back in. Do you have a, do you have a scummy mummy confession do for Do I have us, a scummy mummy confession? So our child's obsessed with balls, like, so he doesn't... Balls? Have a, he do, yeah, he doesn't take a... He, he loves rugby balls, footballs, right. basketballs, like, it just often he's just like, ball, ball. I think you'll find ball. they're called testicles. <laughs> <laughs> Use the correct name, please. Spheres. Spheres. <laughs> but he is, he's like... Scrotum. Yep. Bull, bull obsessed, so we always have to take one. You know, like, most kids go to bed with a teddy bear. He likes to choose a ball to take to bed with him. So, and he, he says ball... You know, sometimes it it is annoying, isn't it, when mm. you've got a child constantly going, ball, ball, ball. <laughs> so you, you can probably guess what's coming. So with my partner, my partner plays rough with him all the time, as they do, as men tend to. And I'm always saying, don't do that, you'll hurt him, don't do this, you'll hurt him. So I just sort of kicked a softball, luckily, kicked this ball across towards Lisbon, hit him straight in the face, knocked him over. My oh. partner was like, you can never shout at me again. <laughs> Oh, I hate that. Oh, that's happens. awful. That's awful. Because okay. my husband, we, I, we call him Mr. Health and Safety, don't we? Yeah, yeah. He's always so oh, worried it? about everything. Whereas I'm just like, like I'm going to, it's a bonus confession. One of my children's favourite games to play with me is hit, hit us with clothes. Because <laughs> <laughs> often when I'm putting the laundry away upstairs, I put it out on the bed and I'm folding it and they like to come and jump on the bed and yeah. I get annoyed with them and I sort of hit gently, you know, I'm not literally like yeah. punishing them with clothes. <laughs> But it is, it's slightly embarrassing when you're, for example, in the supermarket and you go, and when we get home, I've got to put some laundry away so you can have a bit of telly. And they go, no, no, hit us with clothes! Hit us with clothes! <laughs> slightly awkward. Um, oh, anyway, well, there we go. So your excellent book, You Grow Girl, is yeah. out. 8th of June. 8th of June. Yeah. Go, go and buy it. And the audio book out, is out as well. Yeah. No, it's, it's wonderful. And thank you for all the work you do. You're an Aww. amazing advocate thank for you. women's health. And you're just a great person. And you're in <laughs> That's the most impressive thing, let's just be honest. Let's Can we all just go on the trampoline after this? <laughs> I'm gonna hear you with a giant cotton bud. <laughs> or just some clothes. Yes, yeah, hit it with clothes, hit it with clothes. Um, excellent. Uh, some brief admin, as always, we're on tour all of the time. We're having a little break mm-hmm. in um August, so if you wanna in September, so if you wanna come and see us, but you, we're booking now for our autumn tour and even our Christmas tour, aren't we, Helen? Yeah, twenty twenty four. We're gonna be all over the place. We're doing some big shows in Cambridge and Bristol and Horsham. All sorts of places, Elliot. Horsham. Yep. Horsham. Horsham. Come here, boy. Three in Horsham. But, and we've got some big Christmas shows. And can we announce Cat for Nelly? I, I don't... I mean, what are they going to do if we do? All right. We're doing Cat for Yeah, we're doing Cat come along Dr Zoe yes. yeah. uh, which is of course my very favourite gig because I can walk there so that <laughs> and so is that December I don't think tickets yeah. are on sale yet but, no um, they will be soon and this time I promise I won't get so drunk that I eat your husband's kebab not a euphemism <laughs> And I think that I think that's it. Is there yeah. anything else you want to plug, or where can people follow you, yes. Zoe, or anything like that? Do you know what? There is actually something else I'll plug. Here we um, go. Here we go. Speak. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the list. No, just one one thing. Um, I've actually just recorded my first podcast. My ah. podcast. Um, and that's um also about to come out very very soon. So it's called 
the doctor will hear you now. Oh. See what you've done there. See, See what, what I've you've done, done there. That's so, awesome. so what's, yeah, what's, the, what's the concept? So the concept is basically um, me as a doctor not being the expert, but a person who's had a lived experience of a condition, and we tend to go with conditions that have got a lot of stigma and misinformation around them, being the expert and me learning sort of about their lived experience. So the the the, the aim of it really is to things like menopause, bowel cancer, dementia, depression, um, to shine a light on what it's like to live with that condition in the hope that we can all be a bit more um, empathetic and understanding. But there'll be famous people who are affected by those conditions. Yeah, people who smarts, farts are incredibly stinky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just, we could have that one for serious Listen, it's a condition many of us suffer with. Some of us who don't even have it. <laughs> the suffering is still very real. I'm sorry. <laughs> feel quite lucky but also I feel like I'm missing out because I haven't experienced one of oh, Helen's farts I'll, I'll catch one in can a jar for you yeah yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> I wonder if there's a thing like like a Shazam for your phone but there's a, an app that would like oh something's actually wrong because you can't dipstick it oh no I have to send my shit in a jar don't shit I shit in a jar oh, that was that in a hammock oh thank you very much for listening thank you Dr Zoe thank you for having me thank you so much thank until you. next time Slap my thigh then. God. Until next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. That's incredible. Oh, Fempress, yeah. No, for, uh, didn't we get asked to do an advert for it once? Yeah. Used to tell be... tell the people of Britain their vaginas are stinky and need special bleach. <laughs> as well yeah. as their asses. Very much so. I know. There's no ass fresh. I'd buy that. That'd be fine. <laughs> There's a thing on social media today about about men are not very good at wiping their bottoms. Oh, about, oh God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could have told you that. I see enough of them. Yeah, gosh. Oh, no. You have to look at men's arseholes. I, oh. think, I think most of them do make an extra special effort to give it a clean when they know they're going to get a finger in their arse. But... Yeah, it's like when you go for a wax, you make sure it's all, you know... You don't have to film. Do you have it? Do you have it? Is it like when the cleaner comes around? You have a tidy oh, yeah. up first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a pre, a pre tidy <laughs> of the here uh, of the bush. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.